You are listening to the Vine Church Sermon Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the Vine Church, please visit our website at www.thevinemadison.org. Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your way may be known on earth and your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. The word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, today we start a series for the summer, and this is kind of a popular thing. We, we did this, a lot of churches do this. Um, we, I think we did this in 2014, uh, Summer in the Psalms. And so we are spending all summer, uh, up until the Madison Multiply Network kind of uh, preacher swap that we do now, kind of as the tradition in August, um, till now, until the end of July, we're going to be spending time looking at the Psalms. And I want to just orient us really quick, like what are the Psalms? <clears throat> what are they all about? Why are they in the Bible? And the Psalms are fundamentally this. The Psalms are a songbook, a songbook of prayer and praise for God's people. Okay? The Psalms are a songbook of prayer and praise for God's people. What, what you'll see in the Psalms is the authors, different authors, King David and others, um, take Old Testament themes and put them to music or to poetry, okay? And what that does, it's really important. It gives language to God's people concerning the whole range of emotions of the human experience, Okay? The Psalms give language to God's people for the whole range of emotions that we have in our human experience. So like when you're having a great day, it's a beautiful day outside, and you want to praise him as we rightly should for the gift of creation that we can experience in the month of May in Madison, and you want to exuberantly praise God, the Psalms are there for you. And when you're reading the news and it feels like injustice reigns in the world sometimes, you turn to the Psalms and you can cry out, Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will the wicked reign upon the earth? You pour out your heart to God, it gives you language for that. Or when you're just deeply sad for something that's happening in your life. And you're wondering, has God abandoned me? Has God left me? There's a psalm for that. Psalm 22 is great for that. So the psalms give us language. They're like a gift that gives us language to relate to God through the whole of the human experience. And ultimately what you'll see is that the psalms will take us Godward. The, the Psalms don't allow us to navel gaze 
and just sit in our emotions, as important as it is to articulate our emotions and to be aware of them and to express them, to process them, the Psalms don't let us just stay there. Like if we just terminate on our emotions, that's ultimately going to be a self-focus. But that doesn't give you any joy. That gives you no satisfaction in life. What ultimately satisfies you is the bread of life, is the living water, is King Jesus, and taking our eyes off of ourselves and fixing them on him. And the Psalms help us do that. So this is why we're going to take a new psalm every week for about 10 weeks. And today, we're going to be focusing on Psalm 67. So you might have your Bible open already. Let's, let's turn there. I want you to be convinced from the text, not just because I'm up here talking. Okay? I want you to have your eyes on the text. And I'm going to, we're going to work our way through this just verse by verse. Look at verse 1. This is the psalmist, he's asking for something, he asks for God to do something. Look at, look at verse 1, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. So there's something in, in ancient Hebrew poetry called parallelism, and you'll see it a lot in this Psalm, you'll see it in lots of the Psalms, you'll see it in the Proverbs, you see it in um, what's called the wisdom literature of the Bible, like Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, Psalms, Proverbs, and it's just parallelism. It's like there's one statement, and then the next statement basically says the, says the same thing, but it's just said in a different way to highlight the truth of what was previously said, so like parallel, right? And so we see that here. God, would you be gracious to us? Would you bless us? What's another way to say that? May your face shine upon us. I want, I want to think about that phrase, to, to make his face shine upon us. Like, what, it's kind of a strange expression, right? We don't, you know, with the, with the theme of parallelism, it's probably has something to do with graciousness. It probably has something to do with blessing. But how, how do we understand that? Well, in our human experience, we know a lot about nonverbal communication, right? I don't know what the stats are or whatever, like, scientists say, like, 70% of all human communication is nonverbal. Okay, whatever. It's, but all we know is that it's, it happens a lot, right? We read one another's faces all the time. So, like, what's, a, what's an angry face? Well, it's like scowling. I discovered during COVID that I have an angry resting face. Because, you know, you're seeing yourself all the time on Zoom. And I'm like, wow, I look angry. I'm not, I'm not angry. It's like my thinking face is angry. It's like furrowed brow, I'm thinking, anyway. But, like, that's, I want to be aware of my nonverbals. So I'm, like, trying to think now. Eyebrows up. Like, you don't have to be angry. So if you see me like this, it's probably just because I'm thinking. Um, just so you know. But that's nonverbal communication, right? Uh, surprise face, wah. Or, like, a skeptical face, mm, you know. We, oh, yeah, Clark's giving me the, the one eyebrow raised. Yep, that's a skeptical face. Yep, we read that. Read those eyebrows, right? Nonverbal communication. What would a shining face be? I was thinking about that this week. And, and I was reminded of every time I perform a wedding 
I always love watching the bride walk down the aisle to meet her groom. It's, it's such a rich biblical imagery of Christ and the church. And I always think about that and the glory of the gospel that's, that's a metaphor in this wedding ceremony of, of, of Christ and his bride and the union together, the goodness of that that marriage points to. But she's walking down that aisle and she's beaming. It's like she's glowing. It's like she's floating, right? That would be a, a, a type of shining face, the exuberance of that moment. Her face is shining. I also think of a, a new mother. We've got a lot of new moms in the room. Um, she's feeding her baby, and she's holding that baby, and her, she looks with pleasure upon her child, and her face is is shining. There's a sense of joy and pleasure as she gazes upon the gift of a child that's been given to her and her husband. <clears throat> I think those are two pictures that help us get at what does it mean to have a shining face. It's gazing upon that brings pleasure, that brings joy. And the psalmist is asking for this because he knows that's what people need the most. That's why he asks for it here in verse 1. Like, God, would, would your favor be upon us? Like the favor that, that a bride has as she gazes upon her groom on her wedding day, the favor that a, that a mother has as she feeds her, her baby, <clears throat> in the same way, would you cause your face to shine upon with that kind of favor and love and joy and, and pleasure upon your people. <clears throat> now why would the psalmist ask for this? Why would the psalmist ask for God's face to shine upon his people? Well, what we're going to see is so that God's people can get about the business of the mission that he's given us. Okay? What he's saying is, may we sense your pleasure in us like that bride, like that mother, because the psalmist knows that when that happens and it's settled and it's secured and it's known, this favor can't just terminate on us, but it has to spread. It has to spread. I want you to see this connection. Look at verse 2. <clears throat> I'll start with verse 1 so you can see the connection. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine on us, comma, why? He answers in verse 2. So that, there's a connection. See the connection? So that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all Nation. So it's like he's saying, if verse 1 happens, logical connection, first word of verse 2, that, or you could say, so that, in English, because that helps us make that connection logically, may there be a, a shining face of God's pleasure upon his people that results in, so that something may happen. What, what's going to happen? God's way being known upon all the earth, his saving power just among the United States? Nope, that's not what it says. Among the earth. The earth. 
So he's asking for two things. Look at verse 2. See the word known? There's two things that he wants to be known. What are they in verse 2? Can you, can you see it? His way and his saving power. His way and his saving power. And where does he want it? He wants it globally. All nations. And then he continues in verse 3. And he just expands on this request <coughs> in a different way. Look at verse 3. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. So in verse 2 is knowledge. Right? God, would you give knowledge of your way and your saving power? Knowledge is good. But knowledge is not an end in itself. Because think about it, knowledge doesn't necessarily mean a changed heart. It doesn't mean changed desires. Like you can know something, you can know something is true and still hate it, right? I mean, that's the Pharisees. They knew Jesus was physically risen from the dead. They still wanted to kill him. They saw what Jesus did with Lazarus, causing him to be risen from the dead. And right after that, they wanted to kill Lazarus too. Like, so it's not just knowledge that we need. You can know all the right answers. You can get an A on the theology test and still go to hell. But what does he do in verse 3? He asks for something beyond knowledge. That's praise. May all the peoples not just have knowledge of you, but in light of the knowledge of you, have that turn into something that's desirous, that's, that's emotion, that's, that's true reflection of a heart that loves God. What is that? It's going to be praising him. We praise what we love. Right? We praise what we love. He repeats it for emphasis. See, we talk about the parallelism. He's just, he's just repeating himself for emphasis here. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Praise is an emotional word, right? It's an expression of desire. And he wants all nations to not just have knowledge, but to have that knowledge overflow in praise because of who God is and what he's done. Let's continue. Verse 4. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. So again, just same idea, different words. Nations, all nations, global. God's knowledge and his praise doesn't terminate with one nation. The nation of Israel, the United States, or wherever. It's the whole world. And it's not just praise. What is it now? It's gladness. It's gladness. Singing for joy. Right? Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. It's part of the reason why we just got done singing. We spent 25 minutes singing. Not because we're just trying to fill our Sunday service because we've got to have an hour and 20 minutes and we've got nothing better to do. No, because of Psalm 67. 
that, that our love for God, our knowledge of God should have an outworking, should have a place to land, and that landing looks like singing. Like, I can't just keep this in. I got I to gotta let it out. Like, I had a, a perfect illustration of this a few years ago when I went to uh, my first Packer game, okay? And, man, I, I was raised in Iowa. Iowans don't have a professional team. So I don't know about this cult of the Packers until I moved here, right? And, and man, I felt like I was on a cro- cross-cultural missions trip. Like, I'm contextualizing to these Packer people. Like, I'm not trying to figure them out, and how do these cultural norms work, and I don't want to stand out. I mean, it was wild. And I'll never forget, um, we were leaving the stadium, and as, you know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like your, your, your cattle passing through, you know, the gate as you're leaving the stadium, this horde of people that's trying to get out, you know. These Packer fans just spontaneously erupted in some song. Like some Packer song. I don't know what they were singing about. It was just like, you know, you have a few beers and the singing just starts, right? And that's what it was. But I was, I was struck by, like, the, the intersection of what human beings do and how that manifests in, in how God has created us. Like human beings, you can't just keep quiet on the things that you praise. Singing will result, Right? We see that in, 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 uh, in sports arenas all around the world. Singing is just what human beings do as an expression of praise. I mean, I, I do the same thing. Like, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a musician. Music has a huge place in my life. Um, and, and I sing all the time. But I, what I've noticed about myself is when I'm down, I don't sing. But if I'm, if I'm feeling good, I just, songs just coming out. Like I'm just always singing. Like people that know me know that. Like singing comes easily for me. So, but it's not just nations, again, rationally understanding the right answers. It's not all the nations of the world just being able to talk about God. The psalmist says in verse 4, he wants the nations to sing. Just like Packer fans that are exuberant over winning the game, how much more should God's people sing because of who he is and what he's done? Like Christians know the truth of the cross and the empty tomb, that my sins have been forgiven, that I, that I have a heavenly father and an inheritance that can never be taken away, that I've been chosen, redeemed, called before the foundation of the earth, not based on anything that I've done, but because of God's mercy towards us. Free, sovereign mercy. The free love of a father towards kids. And we can be saved. The psalmist wants that to be known along, uh, across all the world, every square inch of the world, and then that results in praise and singing. He wants the nations to sing. But again, why? What, are there some reasons for this? Verse 5. Sorry, let's continue with verse 4. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Why? Again, 
There's a connection here, just like in verse, between verse 1 and verse 2. Here's the reason. Here's why the nations should be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations on the earth. Like why? Like judgment is such a negative word in our culture. And I think that's probably has a lot to do with people who are privileged to not experience a lot of oppression and tyranny don't really care about judgment. Like if you haven't been the victim of something horrible, like government oppression in a, in a deep way, being invaded as a nation, and God's people historically have known that in ways that are far more profound than we do as Americans. Like we've never, as Americans, we've never been invaded and brutalized like many other nations around the world historically and right now. So to like think of judgment of God as a negative thing is kind of comes from a posture of privilege. But if you've been brutalized, if you've been victimized in horrible, horrible ways, and you're powerless to do anything about it, the, the message that, that God is a righteous judge, that he will make all things right, that he will balance the scales of justice someday, that's a really, really comforting message. And that's what the psalmist says here. Like, God, you, we're going to sing for joy because you will make things right one day. You will judge all the world with equity. Like, there's no equity right now. It's all out of whack. But one day it will be made right. And, and when that happens, we're going to rejoice. Like, finally, Lord, justice. I mean, our hearts cry out. What is happening in, 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 in Russia invading Ukraine right now is a horror. I played a, I play a, a, a jazz gig uh, every other month in my hometown of Cedar Falls, Iowa, and my bass player that I always play with, he's Russian. And he has family in Russia, and he has family in Ukraine. And, I mean, he's just torn up. I mean, he's very, very, very upset, and rightly so. Um, I've never seen him like this. I've been playing with him for seven years. He resonates with that desire. And he's not a Christian. But he, he deeply resonates intuitively, as we all would, with the horror of what's happening there. And how that's going to affect his family in Russia. How that's affecting his extended family right now in the Ukraine. Like our hearts cry out for this justice, Right? That God would judge with equity and righteously guide the nations on the earth. I mean, we can come up with a hundred, a thousand other issues in our world today. The horror of, of sex trafficking, the, the greed and the pride that pollutes the minds of all of our politicians. Well, not all of them, but probably a, lot, a large majority of them on both sides of the aisle. And, and again, a thousand other issues we could think of. 
Like, God, would you make things right? We cry, and we're going to rejoice that one day you will make all things right. When we taste the goodness of your judgment. And ultimately, judgment was poured out on Jesus at the cross in our place so that we don't bear the judgment. God, as a gift, gave of himself in the second person of the Trinity, the Son, laying down his life for his people so that judgment is no longer a fearful thing for God's people. But again, something we rejoice in. That's the gospel. Verse 5, he continues, let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase, our God, our God shall bless us. Verse 7, God shall bless us, let all the ends of the earth fear him. The psalmist here ends with just such an encouraging note. God will bless us. He will not abandon us. He will be faithful to his promises. God is always faithful to his promises. We can trust him. We can hope in him. <clears throat> he is a God of deep, deep generosity. And so you feel the heartbeat of this psalm? You feel the heartbeat of this psalm? That God would be known every square inch of this planet not just known, but cherished and loved and praised for who he is and what he's done. That's, that's what we talk about at the Vine. That's why we talk about mission all the time among neighbors and nations. I mean, neighbors and nations is just our way of saying every square inch of the globe. Go across the street, go across the ocean. <clears throat> and this morning, in light of this message, this sermon, we have um, two very special guests that are going to underscore this in a bit more practical way for us, um, the theology of the Bible and how that's being lived out on the ground in one of our missions partners uh, in Ecuador. So Justin and Laurel, why don't you guys come up? And um, it's a pleasure that they are here with us today. And yeah, let's give them a hand. Uh, so you guys can share that mic. Morgan, did, is Morgan here? Did you have that other mic? Did I miss that other mic? Oh, hey, it's right here. We don't want you to share. We have technology on our side. There you go. Guys, thank you for being here. You're um, welcome. I, they, they thought the one service started today, uh, you know, where we moved next week, we go to 10 a.m. one service, and we didn't communicate that. I probably should have communicated that clearly, and so they scrambled to get here. Thank you for getting here. I'm not your admin anymore. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so um, how are you guys doing? Well, we just want to start with saying how wonderful it is to be here with our um, community, our, our family, our brothers and sisters. It, it's a special place, and we feel super happy to be back, and we miss you all. Yeah, amen. We're so glad you guys are here. We have a lot of new people, um, and so it's good to bring new people up to speed on why you guys are even sitting up here. So maybe give us a little background, and then, um, you know, what you guys are, ultimately, what you guys are doing in Ecuador and why you why you moved there. Yeah, so how far back do you want us to go? <laughs> Just context is good, you know, whatever. Okay, so we spent, prior to coming to the Vine, we spent 13 years uh, in Turkey doing uh, church planting and missionary work there. Then we came to the Vine for six years where I worked on staff with Zach and Justin was an elder here at the Vine. 
and then eight months ago, we moved uh, to Ecuador to work with Compassion Connection. Our church partners with Compassion Connection, and what we do there is we help train pastors. That's the main thing we do is we provide theological education for pastors and church leaders in Ecuador and Venezuela, actually now. And um, we also help plant churches. We work alongside of church planters to help them grow and plant healthy churches. And then we help restore communities, which is, is what you guys do. Like you um, reach out to the marginalized once a month. Your city groups partner with um, like the Elizabeth House or um, other things like that. And so that's what we do is we, we partner with an orphanage and we model that. And then we help other churches find communities that need um, the practical love of Christ. And we help partner them with one another. Yeah, so training pastors um, in Ecuador. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, and Venezuela. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, um, so, paint a picture for what, like, how that training actually exists. Maybe just describe what I was doing there last week and others that mm-hmm. participate in that. <laughs> Take turns now. She always wants to go instead of me. <laughs> um, yeah, Zach came and participated in a training where he can. Um, just teach one aspect of the Bible, sort of like an overview of the whole Bible to p- pastors that are Ecuadorians that really don't have any access to training. And so there's no um, places for them to go like a seminary and get uh, biblical training. And so Zach participated in that. It's for a week long, and uh, we host them on our property, um, and we do that twice a year. And then uh, we do um, another training twice a year in a, in a Three times, mm-hmm. so in in the south of Ecuador, and then we do another training um, three times on the coast of Ecuador, and so it just is one aspect of it is to have it be here, or I- on the property in Lhasa. That's where Zach came in. Yeah, so it's they have this they help oversee this beautiful ministry of just training pastors and leaders um, that are church planters and also just wanting to see healthy churches, and so we get to participate in that as we sent them out. It's, it's really, really beautiful, and it, it really reflects the heartbeat of what we want to do here in Madison as well. Um, so more of a, like a heart question. Like, how do you, how, why, why did you guys feel compelled um, to pack up and to do the, hard, the harder thing, um, maybe of moving to a whole other country, a whole other culture? Like, you've done that in Turkey, and now you've done that in Ecuador, like, how do you even come to that conclusion that this is what we're supposed to be doing? Um, I think the the short answer is through just a lot of prayer. Um, I think um, as believers, Jesse and I like to, you know, pray about everything and consider what we're here for, what are the most important things in this life that we can give our lives to, and we believe wholeheartedly that to um, spreading the gospel of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean he calls everybody overseas, but we were open to it, and so we prayed a lot about it. We sought godly counsel um, and just felt compelled by the power of the Holy Spirit that this is what he was calling us to next. Um, it's probably been the hardest decision we've ever made um, because we left our kids here. They're old. I mean, they're 20, 21, and 22. <laughs> we didn't, like, leave our toddlers here. <laughs> but um, they're both in college, and um, but... We're a very close family, so it's probably been the hardest decision to leave them here and move to another culture. But I would say um, through prayer and through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Yeah, beautiful. So you guys left in September, right? How have the first, what's it been, I eight months? Um, how's, how's it gone? Like, give us just kind of some updates on what's, your, what's, what's good, what's challenging, you know, anything like that. Um, it, it's been awesome. We, we have a great team that we were working with, and uh, we just feel super supported by the Vine. I mean, you've been able to send Zach down there, what, five times? Oh, How many times have I been to Ecuador? Yeah. Oh, since you've been there, yeah. Yeah, five times, January, March. <laughs> well, you get sick of me. We're super thankful for that. Um, we really enjoy Zach when he comes. He's able to, you know, help us talk through stuff that might be difficult. Um, we live right next to a volcano, and so we've been able to, you know, go on hikes up the volcano a little bit. Not to the top, but that's been fun. There's been some trips where we can explore Ecuador as well and see the, see the ministry that extends from our base into the whole country. And so it's been really fun to go to the jungle and, and uh, see the work being done there with uh, people who believe in sort of an animistic aspect of the world and to see them come to understand that God is their creator and he created everything. And so it's been really su super cool to see the ministry and how it sort of has its roots all over the country and participate in ministry. It's, it's, been, it's been great. Yeah. Did you want to add to that, Laurel? Uh, yeah. It, I, Zach sent us the questions ahead of time, which I was really thankful for. So I had some time to think on the airplane a little bit, and two words came to mind when, when I saw this question. And the first one was, I agree with Justin, like just a lot of excitement. It's a beautiful country. It's a beautiful culture. The team we work with is really great. Like we, we love the people we work with on the property. Um, and then the other word that comes to mind is perseverance. Like it, it has, there's been really some incredibly beautiful things, but there's been some really challenging things as well. And I think um, being apart from the vine, like regular good fellowship has been a challenge. I think physically for me, uh, those of you who know me know that I've had Turns out it looks like I, I either broke or fractured my tailbone. And uh, and just have been persevering through that. I'm much better now. Um, so that was a challenge for me to be like laid out flat on my back for the first three to four months. So that was a challenge. Um, yeah, and just finding a home church there. We, we do live rather isolated, and we knew that going in. But just continuing to persevere in in community there, so that's been a challenge too. Yeah, just to be clear, y you weren't actually flat on your back for three to four months, but you, I mean, uh, yes, that's just just <laughs> a lot of rest, a <laughs> lot of rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, having having lots of limitations that were not comfortable, you know. Yeah, Laurel, um, she was great at like getting things done and being a person of like actualizing something and having a vision and making it come to pass and so that's really hard when you move somewhere to like get some stuff done and, and you know if you're starting a new job everybody can relate to that and so that was a significant suffering for Laurel and um, we're, we appreciate your perseverance for sure um, what are some dreams you guys have for as you look to the future and, and this ministry that God has entrusted you to help lead what are some what are some dreams you guys have yeah, well, praise God. I mean, it's it's such a um, an interesting ministry, and we get, just see the, all the ways it can grow, and and uh, all the things that you could do as a church to cooperate with us, and and uh, we just have the especially Laurel just has a big vision for all the things that could happen. 
And so just to, just to follow God in that is the first one. I, th I think that trusting him and being patient with his guidance and not trying to do everything at once, but, but trusting that he will show us the way. We just want to fall into his arms and trust him in, in, in the future of our ministry. And like Justin mentioned earlier, we, um, we have six trainings that we do outside of the property, meaning we travel. We travel um, eight to ten hours. And um, right now, Compassion Connection only has a small truck and our team is six people plus two interns. So as you can imagine, we don't all fit in the truck. So we load the truck up with all of our gear. Wherever we go to train, we have to bring uh, what our cook calls a kitchen. He says, we have to bring a kitchen wherever we go. We have to bring a burner. We have to bring dishes. We have to bring pots and pans because there's no, there's no kitchen. So we cook for everybody who comes to the training. So the truck is full. And then we all uh, take different modes of transportation to these trainings. Justin drives the truck with one or two people. I fly usually because of my back and they have everybody else takes the bus. And so um, one of our wishes, one of our desires is that we could have a van for Compassion Connection so that we could load it all up so that we could all drive together so it wouldn't be such a logistical nightmare to get us all uh, to the same place. And so, um, yeah, that's one of our wishes. And yeah. So you guys go for it. Make the ask. <laughs> Don't be shy. <laughs> Tell us what your need is. So a good used eight to 10 per passenger van runs about twenty-five to $30,000. And so we're just uh, being prayerful, but also wanting to ask people if you'd be willing to help us raise that money. And I know um, you guys already raised money to get us to the field, and, and we're really, really thankful and blessed for that. Um, but this would be for Compassion Connection, not, not for us personally, but for Compassion Connection. So even if, you know, God forbid, we're gone from the field in two years or three years, the van would stay and continue to bless the ministry. And so, yeah. So go ahead, Justin. Yeah, there's a lot of um, fellowship that happens on travel, and it's it's a whole day event. It's like eight hours together, and to sit together and fellowship and and pray together on our way to a training would be awesome. Right now, we're just all scattered around, and we, there's no fellowship in the midst of travel, and so it, it could be a huge blessing for us to all be together. Yeah. So to kind of connect the dots and make sure there's no confusion. Um, we raised money when I was on sabbatical last fall for Claudio, who's another one of our partners in Ecuador. And he just, I forgot to do this this week, but I'm going to do it this coming week. He just got his car. And when I, that we helped raise, yeah, like $6,000. You guys raised $6,000 in two seconds because you all are gener generous and filled with the spirit in that way. And um, when I was at the training last week or two weeks ago, um, he got his car delivered to the, to the training site. And I've got a video of him sharing about that that I'm going to put on Slack this week. So this is not that. This is a different car need. Um, and our church is good at helping with cars, evidently. Um, and so um, we're going to give you guys an action item on Slack this week and probably other communication forms where if you desire to be generous, generous and give toward this, we'll make that on-ramp very easy for you. Um, and that will be a blessing to them. And, and they're, they're gonna also going to be raising some funds for this from other churches and, and individual partners in that way. So um, I hope that we can come alongside you guys in that. Finally, how can we, how can we pray for you guys? You can uh, pray for us as we continue to learn the language. 
you can continue to pray for physical healing for me. You can pray for our team, that we would continue to grow together in unity um, with one another. Um, you can pray for us for perseverance um, on hard days. It's easy to, to think, oh, it would be so much easier if we were in the States. Thanks, God. And you can pray that as leaders that we can just hear the voice of God clearly and not do things out of our own power, but really do things that, that God intends us to do, um, that the Holy Spirit speaks to us and that we'll be humble and, and uh, even learners in a culture that, that we're pretty new in and uh, can just continue to pursue God. Amen. Well, let's, let's pray for these guys right now. Holy Spirit, we um, ask for your help with these things that have just been articulated, that you would grant them in the power of Jesus' name. Lord, for perseverance, for unity. Um, Lord, I pray for healing for, for Laurel's back, that you would heal her in Jesus' name. Even right now, Lord, we believe that you can do it. Um, Lord, we ask for your good pleasure um, of healing to be upon Laurel and her back, and that she would not have resistance physically to the ministry that um, has been set before her. Lord, we um, thank you so much for their courage in, in, in being sent and stepping out in faith in that way. May there be more and more people that resonate with Psalm 67 and want to be about that like they are. Lord, may it be so even here and, and in many places um, all over the world. Lord, we pray for the language learning, um, that they would be diligent in that, that they would be, um, that they don't give up in that, that they would persevere in the marathon of language learning, and they would not grow weary in doing good in this way. Lord, I pray um, that they would just taste the joy of language learning as it corresponds to relationships um, that you've called them to have for discipleship of uh, the peoples of the world. Um, so may you enable that, Lord, and give them deep perseverance in that. We thank you so much for their presence here with us this morning, and we lift all this up to you in Jesus' name. Amen.